you know, I, I, I did die. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of me that died. But there's a lot of Jesus that became alive. And that's what it's about. Um, honestly, this year has probably been the hardest years of my life. But with that said, it's also been the most growth-producing years of my life. Um, you know, there's a phrase called, it hurts so good. And that's what it felt like. It hurts so good. There's been so many tears, so, many, so, many, so much pain that God has walked with me through. So much healing he's done in my heart. And, uh, you know, it's like, it, it, it was hard. It was hard. I've, if I stood here and said it was easy, I'd be lying. But it was hard. But God is good. God is good. He, he sent his spirit to comfort us in those times where he's doing surgery. And, and he's always, there's, there's this peace about him doing surgery. It hurts, but there's always a peace about it. So, um, today I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about my journey. Um, like I said, it's been a, been a hard year. Uh, last year, first year, it was interesting because first year for me was a lot about learning how to walk in the supernatural, learning on how to hear God's voice, learning on, you know, how do we go after sickness, how do we prophesy. This year is actually interesting because it was about heart issue for me. It was about heart issues and learning on how to be fully myself and fully, uh, fully known and fully myself. Because I feel like the best you is the person that's fully yourself. It's when you're walking fully yourself, knowing that my voice matters, knowing that my needs matter, you're going to be the best you. So uh, this year, my process has been interesting because um, in, in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of f- flesh. And I feel like what he did is he took this, this stony heart and he replaced it with a heart of flesh, a heart that it can actually feel and, and know. And it's, it, it's awesome because you can feel things, but it, it, it's interesting because there's this dynamic to it where you can feel things and it's, it's painful, but then you also, with that, where, where comes pain also comes joy. Where, where comes tr- um, learning how, like, you know, just grieving comes this, this love. And so there's this interesting dynamic with that where, you know, yes, my heart can feel pain again, but what's even better is my heart can feel joy. My heart can feel love. My heart can... And so I really feel... Actually, uh, I spoke this word just uh, briefly about a month ago to the church that I'm serving out there. Um, And I spoke this word of, I really feel that God right now is actually taking the hearts of his people and actually learning or helping us to, to live again, to live out of our heart again. And that he's actually replacing the heart of stone and placing it with the heart of flesh. And so that's really what I feel the Lord has done for me this year is learned, uh, taught me how to learn 
how to live out of my heart again. Um, he, he, he taught me how to, really, he taught me how to live again. Um, and, and it's interesting because he totally set me up this year. I love God because he's, he's, he's a God that will set you up. And it's amazing. Um, this year, I moved into a, a new house where, for the first time in 16 years, I got a roommate. And at first, I'm like, I'm not sure how I'm going to like this. It might be a bad thing. But God set me up. God knew what I needed. God knew I needed community. Last year, I had my own room. And I used to pretty much you know, go to school, come home, lock myself in my room, and kind of be my introverted self. This year, I couldn't do that. This year, he forced pretty much community on me, which allowed all this stuff to come up, allowed all this heart issue stuff to come up. And it was probably the best, again, the best thing of my whole life was just learning how to deal with this stuff and to actually learn how to express my needs. And that's where actually in community is where I learned that we are actually supposed to be interdependent. You know, some of us feel like, oh, we're supposed to be independent. But we're not. He doesn't want us to do life on our own. He wants us to live in community. He wants us to live in the body and be intertwined in community. And I really feel like that's, that's what he's doing. He's, he's bringing churches. I mean, this whole new move, the apostolic move that's about to hit, that is starting to hit this nation and the world is an apostolic move of families and not denominations. Denominations, you're surrounded around this a theology. And if I don't believe in it, then I'm just going to break off. We're family. It's like we're surrounded around each other because we love each other. And you know what? I might not believe the same thing Deb does. But I still love her because she's my sister. And I'm still connected with her. And that's where we learn because... In community, we know that each person carries something significant. Each person carries something that I need. Whereas in, in community, or in, in denomination, we just surround around one doctrine. And so I really feel, and in, in what I've been hearing, is I feel like we're coming into this family atmosphere, this atmosphere of community. So this year is actually interesting, too, because um, I'm going to share a little bit about, again, my process. Um, so it's interesting because here I am set up in this community, this community of amazing, fi- there's five of us girls in the house, amazing girls, um, all with their unique quirks and loveliness. And that might have been a bit sarcastic, but no, I truly, truly, truly do love each and one of them so much. Um, but it, it was interesting because I learned that I was not letting my needs be known. Um, actually, there was this time in October where I was working 30-some hours, going to school full-time, volunteering at this ch- uh, church that I've been serving, and everything just just came overwhelming. And I wasn't getting my needs met. And I was, you know, the thing about me when I grew up is I try to tell people my needs, but I wouldn't directly tell them. I would beat around this bush trying to give them signs 
of, hey, like, I'm not okay right now, and I need my needs met. And I feel that, actually, I'm not the only one that does that. I feel like, like, even, like, in my own family, like, I was just talking with my family, and, and I'm like, dude, my whole family is like this. And I think it's also, uh, I've seen it in other families, not just here, but just everywhere, families in general. Like, we, we try to beat around this bush of, you know, hey, like, I'm, I'm not okay, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm not okay. And I'm going to go this way <clears throat> and act out. I'm going to act out so that you can see that I'm not okay. And, and it, it just creates this, this, this pain level, this pain level for both people, actually. And so in October, it was interesting because I was going through this, this overwhelming feeling and, and I wasn't letting people what I needed. And I actually came to this point where I was literally had a mental breakdown. I had a mental breakdown. And it was interesting because my housemate, again, I love how God set me up. My housemate comes to me and says, we want to love you. But one, you need to receive our love. And two, we can't read your mind. And if you need something, we need to, you need to tell us. And it's just interesting because this experience in October has actually flashed back to, to growing up in high school and in and, and, and different scenarios. And in high school, like, I would act out because I was, I was looking for something. And that's something that I was looking for I never expressed. And so I expected people to read my mind and to my, read my emotions and be like, oh, wait, she's not okay. We, we need to go there. And I really feel that... God is setting us up in, in, in a way where he's wanting us to be intentional. He's wanting us to go to, to our neighbor, to our sister, to our brother, and say, hey, right now, I, I need to feel loved. Right now, I, I, I need connection. Right now, I just need a hug. Right now, Hey, like, I'm going through a financial hard time. I, I don't know what you can do, but I just need someone to listen to. And, and let me tell you, your needs are important. Your needs are important. Your needs are important because they are important to God and they are important to the rest of the body. You are important. And I really feel like he's wanting to say that. You are important. See, it's interesting because to need is actually to be alive. If we were not alive, we'd have no needs. But since we are alive, we have needs. To need is to be alive. If we didn't have needs, we'd be dead. Um, the thing about needs, too, is it's interesting because, you know, we don't want to face our needs because if our need doesn't get net, met, then there's pain. Um, you know, we, 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 I feel like we don't know how to respond to pain. So we, one, either don't let our needs be known, and we ignore them, and we stuff them. And so, you know, someone's asking, well, what's the difference between need and versus needy? Needy is actually someone who doesn't know how to get their needs met. Whereas a need is like, hey, I have a need, and I know what I need, and I will go get it met. So just because you have needs does not make you needy. If I sow in silence, I reap, 
silent. If I sow silence, I reap silence. That's what I was doing in October. I didn't let people know I needed to be loved. And I expected them to know it. I didn't let people know that I needed to have attention, even good attention. And so what ended up happening is I became so overwhelmed and I got frustrated with people because I'm like, well, why don't they know? Like, I'm sending all these signals. The fact is, is people can't read your mind. Even if you think they can, they cannot read your mind. And so I really feel that um, God is today speaking to us and and letting us know that we have needs. Our needs are important. But see, then needs also creates opportunity for the community to step in. Needs creates an opportunity for someone else to be a hero in your life. You know, there's, if you, you imagine a, a sinking ship, the ship is, or I'm sorry, a sinking person. The person was falling overboard, and if they don't say anything, they will probably sink and die. But if they express their need of, hey, I need help, that creates an opportunity for the persons on the boat to throw a lifesaver and be the hero. And I really feel that what God is doing is creating this opportunity for our hearts to be known and to, to step in and actually be, again, intertwined, interdependent upon each other. It's interesting because this year God has... Uh, put me in a in a revival group. It's so interesting. So in, in Bethel, there's um, in second year there's 650 students, and each student is put in a revival group of about 60 people. So that's that's about 10 revival groups. Um, and there's a pastor of each revival group that just pastors them. It's it's that way they can allow people to be have one on ones and whatnot. And, and again, this year for me was a setup. It was a setup of just God putting me in places where I needed people. And this year I was in uh, Kate Bagley, uh, her revival group. And Kate has got this life message that I, uh, it's kind of funny because I never heard it until after God spoke to me what he spoke to me about this celebrating others. Her life message is, um, celebrating others, it does a body good. And how do we celebrate each other and honor each other in the gifts and callings in each other? And so it was interesting because I uh, had, had, had an opportunity to speak in a... We, I, was in, I was in a church leadership class, and in this church leadership tr- class, we have almost like mock churches on Tuesday night where we do everything from set up, tear down, you know, how does the church look? We do worship, we do offering, we do a message, everything. Everything you want to know about a church. We 
we mock do that. And so we actually get people to come in. And so I actually was set up and had the opportunity to preach the first, first church service we had. And in this church service we had, I was actually preaching on uh, Luke 9, 46-48. And it was interesting because this is a verse that was actually given to me for a preaching assignment. And God has set me up so much this year that he put this message in me but then he also put me in a revival group that talks about celebration. It does a body good. And then he also actually allows me to live this whole message my whole year. And it's like, God, like everything is so divinely set up this year that you're just setting me up. Like, you know, it's, that's, that's my word of the year. God set it up. It's a God set up. And so I'm actually going to uh, turn to Luke 9, 46 through 48, because I really feel this is actually so key in, to what I was talking about, of this interdependence and needing people in our lives. And I really feel like this is key to where God is bringing the church. And so if you would just turn to me to Luke 9, 46 through 48. If you get there, give me an amen. Awesome. It says, Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him, up, set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be great. It's interesting because God is actually for me, gave me a different view on the scripture. God, you know, most of the time we look at the little child and humbling thyself, and we hear lots of messages and sermons on that. But God actually gave me the thought of why were the disciples arguing? Why were they arguing in the first place? Why were they disputing? Could it be because they had insecurity? Could it be because they lacked celebration they 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 lacked celebration because they had insecurity i i feel i feel part of that is is true in the scripture and and for me it's interesting because uh, my story this year too is actually brought me through this place of learning how to celebrate each other and learning how to celebrate the gifts in each other actually at this church living truth church i was there and all summer i was i was playing drums and on their worship team and I felt um, frustrated because there came this point when someone had come in and actually took over the drum set and started playing. And my heart felt really, like, what, like jealous. Like, there was this, this, this emotion that came up. And I linked it back, and it was jealousy. And I became jealous of a person playing drums because, oh, wait, they're better, better than me. That jealous because was insecurity. I lacked celebration of that person because I was dealing with insecurity. I could not celebrate like like this morning. Joe, Joe is so amazing. His drumming, he's grown so much since the last time I've seen him. He is growing in in his skills, and I had lacked that. I had just lacked calling what is. I had lacked that. And I really feel that's kind of what the disciples were going through was this, 
this time of, you know, this jealousy, like, no, I'm better. Like, and, and for me, that's how I was. Like, I didn't realize it until after the fact, but that's how I was. I'm like, you can't come in here and play my drums. These are my drums, and I'm, I'm supposed to be on these drums. Have you ever felt that way? Where it's just like, wait, what are you doing? This is my spot. This is my skill set. You can't be better than me. Wait, I'm a carpenter. You're better than me. You can't be better than me. Wait, I'm a salesperson. You're selling more than me. You can't do that. This is my skill set. I feel a lot of times God, is, God has actually placed us in those spots so that we can learn this, learn how to honor each other in that spot. God has created us actually for a place where we need each other and need the gifts of each other. And the gifts of each other is so important. So I just want to, uh, let's, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 20, verse 20 through 26. It says, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need for you. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. You know, I love verse 26 where it talks about if one member is honored, then the rest of the members rejoice with it. It's interesting because when we actually celebrate someone else, because we are part of the same body, we are also becoming able to partake in that celebration. We're able to partake in that victory. We're able to partake in the success of that person. And so if Joe is better than drums with me and I celebrate him, I'm actually able to partake in his success. And so I feel that God is actually calling us to start celebrating, start honoring each other, start calling the gifts in each other. You know, it's interesting because I really feel even, he, he, he says in here that even if they are less honorable, bestow, bestow greater honor. Even if that person doesn't have it all together, still bestow greater honor for them because they're carrying something that you need and that the rest of the body needs. I'm going to go to Ephesians 4 right now. And again, if you get there, please say amen. Ephesians 4, verse 7, it says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of earth? 
He who is descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind and doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful planning, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from who the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by the which every part does its share, causes the body growth for the edifying of itself in love. Again, I really feel, you know, even at the beginning of this, is this verse, in, in verse 7, it talks about, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To each one of us, we got a gift. We were bestowed a gift. And then later down, it talks about becoming into the, the fullness of Christ. And I really feel, till we come into unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of fullness of Christ, the gifts that were bestowed actually are very important. Each gift was important to becoming into the fullness. And so when we recognize the gifts in each other, we actually get to come into the fullness of Christ. And we learn how to, to celebrate and honor the gifts in each other, we become into the fullness of Christ. And then in, in, in the lower parts of this, this section here, it, it talks about how from whom the whole body joined and knit together. See, we're part of a body. We're joined and knit together. And so if I start bashing out one of my brothers and sisters, it's like my hand bashing out my foot. It's like I'm causing pain to my own body. So when we're tearing down our brothers and sisters, we're actually tearing down ourselves just as much. And so I really feel, you know, it's, it's interesting because, again, I feel the church is becoming a family. And it's in family that we actually celebrate each other despite our failures. You know, in Luke again, I started with Luke, and in there it talks about becoming like a little child. They said, receive the little child. Why was the little child put in there? You know, I propose to you that perhaps the child was put in there as a representation. Because the children in that day were actually looked down upon because, you know, they were... Even children now, I mean, not they're not looked down upon, but they're stinky, they're smelly, they get into trouble, you know. They don't know any better. I mean, come on, moms, you know what, what a poopy diaper smells like? Dads too, you know. But when children start to walk and they fall down, we don't say, oh, that's not your gift and you're not supposed to walk. You fell down. You're no good at that. And that's where I feel God is calling us to be. 
Even if we fall down in, in what he's calling us, doesn't mean they're not gifted to do that. No, see, when, when children start walking, we're like, come on, you can do it, you can do it. Oh, it's okay, let's get up and do it again. And, and the more they do it, they actually start to perfect and learn how to walk. And I feel that's where family is, right there. Because if family, if there's a member in our body who might not have it all together, but they're trying to walk in their gifting, but they might not have it all together, we're not going to bash them out. We're going to say, you know what? It's okay. Like, there's grace, and there's forgiveness, and if you might have messed up, it's okay. We clean messes up, and we get back up, and we start again. We start again. And I feel in this particular verse in Luke, I feel that he put the child in there for that representation of, hey, look, I receive a child. And if you receive a child, then you can come into the kingdom of heaven. If you can honor those who should have less honor, it says those who are less honorable bestow greater honor. If we can honor those, then we are receiving that little child. And so it's actually interesting because, you know, when we talk about actually receiving the little child and and becoming humble, to become humble is actually lifting other people up. It is in family that we celebrate each other despite our failures. When we celebrate each other, we celebrate the one who created us, the creator, because he is the one that gave us the gifts. I really feel that a lot of times we we look at people and we almost immaculate them to a point where they are not allowed to grow. We, we, We cut them down. Um, I guess another word for that is if someone is, is very confident in themselves, we're like, why are you so confident? You're not supposed to be confident. What's wrong with you? You're supposed to be humble. Humble thyself. And I feel the church has been humble, saying, humble thyself. But they're not just humbling themselves. They're saying, like, you can't be confident. And I feel like God is wanting to just destroy that because that is not who he is. He wants us to be confident. You want to know why? Where, is there a painting? There's a painting. Well, it's, it's a flag. Okay, let's look, let's, look, let's look at this flag. It's a pretty flag. I'm sure someone made a painting and had that copied, right? So if I say, wow, look at that painting. Look at that flag. It's so beautiful. Look at the line and his teeth and, and the, the fire behind it. Who, who am I celebrating when I'm talking about that picture. I'm celebrating the artist. So when we honor each other, we're celebrating the creator. When I say Jeff is amazing, he's a man of God, he's, he's so authentic, I'm not just celebrating him, I'm celebrating the one who created him. 
And I feel that God is wanting us to, to start honoring each other, start celebrating each other. You know, whether, whether we have it all together or not, start celebrating each other. Because once we do, we're actually praising God. By celebrating each other, we're actually praising God in, in the created, creation that he's made. And when we start tearing people down, who, who are we tearing down? God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make junk. You are not junk. And so even, even with our own selves, I feel like we are needing to celebrate ourselves. You know, that's one of the things that was very hard for me this year. In, in Revival Group, I was put in this situation where, because Kate's message is celebration, that we're actually supposed to celebrate ourselves. And that was very hard for me. I'm like, dude, I'm not worthy. I'm not, you know, and... It was so hard. But I came to this point of, wait, if I'm calling myself this of, like, I'm not worthy, if I'm saying, like, I'm no good at this, I'm actually tearing the creator down. And when I start celebrating, wow, God, you created me with a boldness. Wow, God, you created me with a heart that loves people. I'm celebrating him. I'm praising him. He's getting the glory. And the church needs to, you know, come into this realization that, hey, when we celebrate each other, when we honor each other, whoa, look, we're, we're praising the Lord. And whoa, look, man, we're actually knit together. And when I'm celebrating her or when I'm celebrating him, I'm actually celebrating myself because I'm part of this body. And we're lifting ourselves up. We're edifying ourselves up. And that's where God is wanting to have us come. He's wanting us to get over this thing of, wait, you know what? I can't celebrate him. I, I have this, this thing. He's wanting to get us, let us get over that. But he's also bringing us into his place. Again, where, where I'm going to tie this need thing. It starts with needs. When I realize, hey, I have a need, but wait. I know Deb carries this gift that God has placed in her. I have a need, but Deb carries this gift that God has placed in her. And that gift is what I need for my need. When we celebrate each other, we're realizing, hey, wait, God has placed something in them that is actually needed for our breakthrough. Did you know that your breakthrough could be sitting right next to you? The breakthrough that you've been fighting years for could be sitting right next to you. And when we learn how to look and celebrate them and look at their gifts, we actually get to partake of their success. We get to partake of their breakthrough. And so this year, again, has been about learning how to celebrate each other, learning how to honor each other, but also learning, hey, wait, community, being intentional, making my needs known intentionally actually is, is okay because God has created to us to need each other. God has created us for interdependence. We can only carry what we have unless we celebrate what each other has to offer. When we celebrate, we acknowledge and take hold of what God has placed in each other. 
We get to partake in the things we celebrate. We partake in the success of others. You know, it's interesting because I feel like when we celebrate other success, we partake in their success. It's, it's interesting because someone talked about stock markets this morning, right? It's like a stock market. When we invest in someone and in their success, we actually get to partake that. And it's interesting because I really feel, too, that God is, you know, when God gives you vision to do a ministry or when God gives you a calling on your life to do something, he actually, most of the time, will give you a vision where you need each other and each other's gifts and talents. When he gives you a vision, he creates you to need interdependence and need the giftings of other people. You know, there's this quote that Danny Silk uses, and it's probably been one of my all-time favorite quotes. And it says, I really like the me and you, but I love, what I love the most is the you that's not in me. That's why I need you. <clears throat> Let me repeat that. I really like the me and you, but what I love the most is the you that is not in me. That is why I need you. I like the things that we, you know, are like. I like people that are like me sometimes. Sometimes it creates strife, but <laughs> but I like the people that are like me. But the thing that I need the most is that thing that stirs me up. <laughs> and Deb, I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> this woman right here. This woman right here. I've known her since high school, since elementary. I don't know. Yeah, I drove she, buses. She used to drive bus and pick me up and take me to school. And uh, there was this time. Actually, there's been many times <laughs> where she has really irked me off. <laughs> she, she knows I love her, though. Yep. But she really irked me off. Because she had something in her that she was carrying that I needed, and it was not like me. She carried this thing of learning how to stand on the word of God and go after things, declaring the word. It's interesting because, again, God sets us up. I will always remember Dad just saying, hey, you just need to declare healing. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. Stand on the word of God. Stand on the word of God. I remember that coming from Deb. She's amazing like that. But it never hit me until I was in Reading, where it's interesting because God put me in this church in Reading. The former pastors went to Rama Bible College. <laughs> the former pastors were word of faith people. <laughs> and there is this woman in the church. Her name is Missy. She... The October after I got there, God told her to adopt me as her own child. She is very word of faith because she's been in this church. She's grown up with the word of faith. She's very word of faith. And it was in her, I've, I got frustrated with her too, man. <laughs> but it was because of her, like I, I asked her to be my, my spiritual mom because I realized 
God was setting me up. He gave me a chance with Deb. I didn't see it. But he gave me a second chance with Missy. And I saw it. I saw what he was wanting to do. And so I adopted her as my mom, and I grabbed hold of the gift that she had of standing strong and solid in the word of faith. And it's not been easy for me. But slowly but surely, I'm realizing how powerful declaring the word out of our mouth, using the word out of our mouth is. Even this morning, you know, I I flew in yesterday and all day yesterday I was feeling very ill. This morning I woke up and I was feeling very ill. But last week I bought me this book right here. If you don't have it, get it. Charles Capes, Caps, I'm sorry. God's creative power. It's got declarations in here. And so this morning I'm like, man, I got to go to church. Like, I'm so excited, but why, you know, I'm feeling like I've been hit by a train. And so what do I do? I pick up this book. And I start declaring the word of God. I just start declaring that every cell that does not promote life and health in my body is cut off from its life source. My immune system will not allow anything to grow that is not of God in my body. And I just start declaring. And there's scriptures underneath these declarations. So they're biblical. They're declaring the word of God. Did you know that the word of God coming from your mouth is actually the same is what he said, and it carries the same power. And so this morning as I was declaring the word of God out of my mouth, I actually, with every word, I felt better. I felt better. And uh, it's interesting because that gift of standing on the word was not my gifting. But I realized that person has something that I don't. And that's why I need them. That person knows how to stand on the word of God. And that's why I've placed that person in my life. Because they might irk me off. (laughs) But hey, I know I need them because God has placed them there. For that reason. And once we start realizing that in the body of Christ we need each other. That's when breakthrough is going to happen. You know, this year is, is, is humbled me. And it's brought me to a place where I realized my needs are important. It's brought me to a place where I realized I needed people. That God placed people in our lives for a reason. It's brought me to a place where I realized how valuable, how valuable bringing other people into my process is. You know, in October, I was going through this this rough time of just really feeling overwhelmed and and not loved. And one of the things that God has done this year is, 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 and he's still doing it. He's teaching me how to receive love. That's something that I shut off. I shut my heart off. 
and I placed it with a stone. And God has been taking that stone away piece by piece this year. And he's given me back my heart where I can feel things. You know, it was interesting. I graduated Wednesday. And uh, thank you. I graduated Wednesday and I was happy. You know, I was, I made it through the year. It's been a tough year. It's been a great year, but a tough year. And I'm walking on the stage, hugging, got my diploma. I walk down the steps and I hit the main floor and I just start weeping. I'm like, what is going on? He's like, this year I gave you a heart. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to not be okay. You know, the world puts this thing on us where we're supposed to have it all together. and We're supposed to, you know, know everything. It's okay not to know everything. Even though you think you feel like you know everything. <laughs> it's okay not to be right. Even though you think you are right. It's okay not to have the answers. That's why God put us in bodies of believers. That's why God put us in family. You know, this year is I've learned how to go to my brothers and sisters in Christ and say, hey, you know what? I need, I need you to hold me up right now. You know, in the Bible it talks about how we're, in, in Ephesians 6, it talks about how we're to stand and when we've done all to stand, stand therefore. There's so many times where I'm like, I can't stand. Even if I'm standing, I'm standing therefore, I can't stand. And that's why we need each other. Because we can come along when we say, hey, I can't stand anymore. I've done everything I've done to stand. That's where we go to our, our brothers and sisters to say, I need you to hold me up right now. And that's what we're created for. We're created and knit together as a family to hold each other up, to uphold each other, to edify each other. That's where God has brought me this year. God has created this realization that I was never created to do this on my own. I was never created to go in my room and lock myself up from life's problems. It is so much easier. God has actually created us for community. He has knit us together for community, for relationship, for interdependence. You know, I said sometimes before, or I said sometimes breakthrough is sitting next to us. Breakthrough was sitting next to me. And I ignored it. And I had to go three, four years down the road before I got it. If I would have just realized, hey, breakthrough is sitting right next to me, I could have had that much earlier. God gives us second chances, though. Third chances. Fourth chances. Fifth chances. Sixth chances. And uh, for that, I, I, I am so thankful yeah, God did not create us to do life on, his own, on our own. He created us for interdependence. Even though this place 
is super vulnerable, it is also the most fruitful place to be in. It's interesting because this year I've learned a lot about vulnerability and how to be vulnerable with brothers and sisters. And uh, I'm drawing a blank now. Um, There's this book by this author, and I have it at my house. Um, (laughs) Anyway, she talks about vulnerability, and she talks about, she actually has TED Talks out there, Brené Brown, there we go, Brené Brown. Um, She has TED Talks, and in her TED Talk about vulnerability, she talks about how you know, again, we, I, I said a little bit earlier how there's this dynamic of learning to have in the heart. There's also this dynamic of being vulnerable. You know, there's pain sometimes because the person, you know, was unfortunately not caring what you said in the right way. But then there's also joy. There, there's, there's, being vulnerable is hard. And vulnerability looks different ways. For me, actually, this year, there was a time when I was financially tough, like in a tough situation. And I didn't have money for food. And I had to be very vulnerable with my housemates and say, hey, like, can I have that banana? That was very vulnerable for me. Because here I am growing up in this whole independent thing. Like, I came here to California. I'm working a job. I'm supposed to be doing this on my own. And I'm not making it. What's wrong? And that's where God is tearing pride off. I realized I had a lot of pride. And I've realized that growing up, that's just not me. It's not just just me who has pride, but there's a whole community. You know, I was talking last last year when I was home, I had a BSSM alumni Minnesota meeting. And one of the things we saw over Minnesota was just this pride spirit. Spirit of pride. And it needs to be broken. Because he is wanting, again, he's wanting us to come and be interdependent on our neighbor. He's wanting us to become vulnerable. And say, hey, you know, financially, I just need a box of food right now. Can, is, is there any way? And again, that creates that opportunity for that person to be a hero. Can I tell you something? Did you know that your heart is so worth any inconvenience? I hated going to people and saying, hey, I need this right now because I felt like it was inconveniencing them. But you know that your heart is so worth that inconvenience. It's so worth any inconvenience. That's why God created us to be part of a family so that we can go over to someone's house at 2 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, I need prayer right now. I am having a tough time. You know, there is, there's people who want to be there for you. But they don't know that you need something unless you tell them. 
I just pray that you would not beat around the bush. That you could be so bold and so brave to go to that person and be vulnerable and say, I have a need. You know, looking back in this year, I asked God, going into this year, I asked God, what do you want me to gain? And he said, I want you to focus on church leadership with the emphasis of bridging the gap between the old and the new. I want you to focus on learning how we can rejuvenate the old wineskins. It's interesting because all summer long I've had this thing about wineskins and um, how do you, what do you do with the old wineskin? How do you allow that to hold wine again? And um, all summer I was talking with, with God about that and right away first class, Chris Valentin is talking about the wineskins. And he says, for the old wineskins to be renewed, they were having to anoint them with oil, or put oil, soak them in oil. And soaking in them in that oil is that anointing power of the Holy Spirit. So that was me going into this year. And so wrapping up this year, I'm like, okay, God, I feel like I didn't get that. I feel like I didn't learn how to bridge the gap between the old and the new. And he's like, be quiet. <laughs> and he's like, what do you think I've been teaching you all year? Interdependence is how he's going to bridge the gap of the old and the new. When we realize that hey, that Catholic church down the road actually carries something that we need. When we realize, hey, this church is lacking this thing. But guess what? The Lutheran church down the road? It's probably got it. He has created us as a body of church, a body to need each other, need each to need each body. Because honestly, there's only one body. We're not separated by denominations. We're one body, created for one purpose. And that's the glory of God. So I'm going to have Matt come up and play a little music. I really feel I wasn't going to do this, but then on the way down here, God spoke very clear to, clearly to me that he wants to open this altar up and that I'm going to have Jeff and maybe some of the, like Matt and the elders of the church come up. But I really feel God is wanting to replace the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. I really feel that God is wanting to tear pride down. I 
That's a good word. False humility is pride. I actually had that in my notes too. Exactly. I feel like God is really creating us in this next movement. Again, I said it's family. It's family because we need each other. You know, there was times this year where I called home and said, Hey, Mom, I need some money right now. And I could do that because I knew she had something that I didn't. There's times where I've called on my sisters in Christ and said, hey, I need prayer right now because I can't stand up by myself and you can hold me up. You've got that thing that I need right now. God is creating us for a time right now to need each other more than ever more than ever he's calling us to call upon each other he's calling us to open our hearts and allow him to come in he's calling us to take our heart of stone and place it at the altar and say, God, I need a heart of flesh. You know, I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but I cannot live like this anymore. He's calling us to humble thyself and realize that the person next to me might have something more than that. I do because they've been placed strategically in my life for a purpose. He's wanting to you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. At the beginning of the year, I had this vision of my heart in a box and that I was, that I was uh, not allowing him to have my heart. And there's this verse that I was just reminded of in Philippians. God had to do heart surgery for me. It was not easy. But it was worth it. And it's in Philippians. Um, four. Four seven. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What if I open my heart? Will it get stomped on? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What if I open my heart and, and someone comes in and just makes a mess of it and, and hurts me? The peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God. This year I became in an encounter. Actually, it was only two weeks ago. I had this encounter with peace. Peace is a person. Get to know him. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. So I challenge you today. I, I challenge you. Please do not take this message lightly. He is wanting to open your hearts up. He's wanting to do heart surgery. But the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. He is standing guard over your heart. The enemy cannot have your heart. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to leave these altars open. And if you would like prayer, please, please do not hesitate. If everything in you says, oh man, this, I don't want people to know, please, that's pride. Let's tear that down right now. You have that opportunity to be powerful and to take that, that, that back. You know, pride has been ruling us too much and it's time to tear that wall down. It's time to take that back where the enemy is trying to gain territory. So I urge you right now not to take this lightly. And if you need prayer, if you need something, please allow one of your brothers and sisters to be the hero today in your need. Go to them. You can come up here with an altar. You, You can go to each other whatever you feel more comfortable with. So Father God, I pray right now that you would just be in this body, in this body, in this family, that you've created us to be a family, that you've created us to need each other, that you've created us with gifts because the person next to me might need that. Father, I pray right now, and I break I break the power of the spirit of pride I break the spirit of pride in Jesus name you have no stronghold over this church you have no stronghold over this community you have no stronghold over this state Father we acknowledge that you've created us for interdependence we acknowledge that you've created us to need each other. And Father, I pray right now that you would strengthen us to a place where we can be vulnerable. Where we are weak, he is strong. Father, I pray right now that you would replace the heart of stone And give us a heart of flesh, a heart that can feel, a heart that can love, a heart that can be joyful. 
us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. The altars are open.